You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Today's scripture comes from the book of 1 Samuel. This is the second time that we will be uh, hearing a scripture from this book during this call series, uh, call story series that we've been doing uh, this month. This, um, however, takes place much later than the first one. The first one that we heard from 1 Samuel was the call of Samuel when he was just a boy and he was living in the temple um, and Eli helped him to recognize his call. Now Samuel is an adult, and he is a prophet, and he is a prophet um, for Saul, King Saul. Now King Saul was the first prophet of Israel, or first king of Israel. You may remember that the Israelites called out for a king. They had been, um, had all these judges, we talked about them earlier in the summer, who were not always doing the right thing, and so they thought it was time for a king. They cried out for a king, and God appointed a king. God told Samuel. Samuel went to Saul and anointed him king. Now Saul uh, was also the people's choice. They were glad to have him as king because he had been a strong military leader, um, and they saw him as a leader, so it seemed natural that he would be their king. The point that we come to in today's scripture, however, King Saul um, has been really uh, working against a God. He hasn't been doing what God has called him to do. In fact, um, Samuel, who's the prophet that speaks to him for God, that God uses to tell him what to do, is the one who would do the, the sacrifices and the offerings and, and the connections between God and people. And uh, King Saul was then to serve as the leader, and they kept those things separate so that all of that wasn't in one king, because at that time, um, it was easy to start thinking of the king as the deity. And so um, Saul was uh, doing wrong by God, Samuel was angry with with Saul, and God said it's time for a new king. And so uh, God sent Samuel to the home of Jesse. Now, Jesse wasn't a known person. He was a shepherd. In fact, he had uh, several sons, all of whom were shepherds. And so Samuel went to Jesse's home and said, you know, I'm here uh, and I need to see your sons. And he went through all of the sons and said, no, these are not the ones that God is calling. Is there one more? And they said, well, just the young boy who's out on the field. And so he came in and God said, this is who shall be the new king. Now, that was David. And David did not really become king for another 15 years while Saul continued to rule. And Saul um, finally died and David took the throne. But he continues from this point of calling to be a major player in Hebrew scriptures um, from that point on. Another thing about him is that he becomes good friends with uh, Saul's son, Nathan, and Nathan then becomes the prophet who speaks to uh, King David. Now, you may have heard of Jesse before because we talk, we read scriptures that come from Isaiah uh, during the Advent time as we lead up to Christmas that speak of a shoot coming out of the tree of Jesse. And that is the connection that Jesus has in the lineage to King David. So 
Here is today's scripture from 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I've rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, ah, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely his anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all of your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and he had beautiful eyes, and he was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him to the in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Holy Spirit, give me the words to speak, and more importantly, let the words heard be in the spirit of the words you desire to be heard. Amen. Our call stories are important, and unfortunately, I learned this the hard way. Our daughter Carly, who is now officially a Sparty, despite her mother and I bleeding maize and blue, well, we went to Lake Orion High School a few years back for her freshman orientation. I was hoping I would run into a teacher, teacher hero of mine who was still teaching, Mr. John Miles. Mr. Miles was an early adopter of youth mental health programs back in the 90s and one of my favorite teachers. He was one of maybe two teachers that were still teaching at the high school from when Jenny and I were there. We did end up finding him at one of the tables, and I introduced Carly and myself and we did a little small talk. I'm relatively sure he remembered who I was for a couple of reasons. I'll save those for another sermon. <laughs> anyway, he asked me what I was doing these days, and I was excited to tell him that I was working in ministry with high school youth. He asked, so what does that mean? And I was like, I wasn't expecting a follow-up question. <laughs> I sort of froze. I didn't know what to say. 
I think I said something like, yeah, God's awesome and I teach kids that. He was like, oh, okay. He kind of shrugged his shoulders and I was just kind of like, all right, and uh, well, it was nice to see you, and I quickly moved on. I was disappointed in myself that I didn't better know how to articulate how amazing my job truly was. I hadn't gotten a better understanding, or I didn't understand how to share my call. Over the last years, I have learned how to do that a little bit better, and now I know the power in it. My colleague I met recently at Michigan School for Licensed as a local pastor, David Leone, defined call in this way. It's the sharing of our stories that we open up ourselves to connect with others. And you know, as you know, the clergy staff here are sharing our call stories this summer. And I am deeply humbled and honored to be standing here before you today to share my call story. I'm forever grateful to this church community for the love and support you have shown me. You have helped me understand my call to become a licensed local pastor. Thank you. When Pastor Amy asked us to find a biblical call story that we could relate to, I was a little overwhelmed at first. But I dug in on a mission to find a biblical hero I could relate to. After some searching, I landed on King David call, and not just because David was handsome, he was the youngest son, he had beautiful eyes, although some of those things, well, all of them apply to me, but I'm being humble here. The real reason I can relate to David is how his call began. He was living a life as a shepherd, a helper, building a solid reputation. In my case, a caretaker, a helper. He was unexpectedly called before Samuel and anointed by God to do profound things for Israel. After he was anointed, David's rise to power didn't happen overnight by any means. It took many years of mentorship, victories, struggles, and defeats. And despite becoming a biblical king and hero, he remained profoundly human, not without flaws that comes with our humanness. David also remained faithful to God throughout his life. My call to the United Methodist ministry has also been a lifelong journey. God has slowly pruned me over the years, helping me better understand my talents and my abilities. As a child, our family attended Seymour Lake United Methodist Church. I have fond yet fuzzy memories of enjoying the people and activities there. I have particularly fond memories of the homemade ice cream we used to make with that wooden churn and you'd put all the salt in it. And as a young kid, I was like, that's so cool. But then I was like, oh, my arm hurts. I also have fond memories of my brother doing youth group activities. And I was a little younger than him, but they went out horseback riding. They went to McDonald's and all this cool stuff. And I was like, I can't wait to get in youth group so I can do cool stuff. I got, when I got old enough to attend, or uh, do, excuse me for a minute, faith, faith was important to my mom. She made it a priority to expose my brother and I to church. She grew up Catholic and Methodist, went to a Catholic high school, and worked at a Christian bookstore, which I thought was really cool as a kid. Her parents, my grandparents, were also active in their churches as well. From my experiences at church, I can remember thinking, it would be pretty cool to be a preacher someday. 
I felt blessed to have been surrounded by people of faith who loved God and planted seeds in me for a future working in ministry. Around the time I was 10, my family life got a little messy. My parents began the process of a divorce. In that time, my dad was severely injured in a car accident, requiring years of physical and occupational therapy. My parents made multiple attempts to reconcile, but were ultimately unsuccessful. Our family fell away from participation in church for the next few years. In my junior year of high school, I had an experience that renewed my thoughts about Christianity. I had a wrestling coach who saw in me something that I didn't see in myself. One day he brought me a book on faith and prayer and explained that he thought I was a neat kid, but I might be hanging out with the wrong, kid, wrong kids. And I should consider taking a look at the book. Initially, I rejected the idea and tossed the book in the garbage. Looking back, it was a spark to reignite my call in my rejection of Mr. Fagan's offering. I felt a nudging of nostalgia from positive church experiences as a child. I wouldn't act on those feelings right away, but looking back, I realized his act of evangelism would begin to shape my journey in the years to come. I was fortunate to be able to run into Mr. Fagan at high school and tell him in person how important that was to me. In 1998, my best friend, my high school sweetheart, and the love of my life, Miss Jenny King, and I were looking for a church to attend and have a church wedding. We both felt it was important to begin a marriage in faith together. We were warmly welcomed and found a home here at Clarkston United Methodist Church. We were married in this beautiful sanctuary on June 19, 1999, by Pastor Tracy Huffman. I was working as a builder, and Jenny had begun her career as an elementary school teacher in Pontiac. Shortly after we were married, the position of head caretaker of the church became available, and I jumped at that opportunity. Ultimately, the trustees chose to go with an outside contractor at that time. I was disappointed that I missed the cut, but would end up with the position a couple of years later when the business director at the time, Eileen Bullen, saw in me a potential for success working at Clarkson United Methodist Church. Right around the same time, Jenny and I were approached by the church youth director, John Lease. He told us about an amazing opportunity to work with the youth group. We were skeptical, thinking, amazing opportunity. Sure, you're just looking for fresh bodies, and we know this. <laughs> John barely knew us. He could, we could have been wanted fugitives, for all he knew. Not to mention, we didn't have great biblical knowledge or experience working with teenagers. God, however, had a plan. We said yes, and we thankfully passed our background checks. We attended and chaperoned our first high school summer mission trip in the year 2000, and I was hooked. I grew and matured in faith working here as the, Clarkston, as the caretaker and volunteering with our youth. I applied for the youth director position a couple of times during those years, but I didn't make the cut. Looking back, I think I know why now. I wasn't quite ready there was still a piece of my life experience that was missing. 
Our amazing daughter came into our life, and I had a new understanding of the love of a child. I was fortunate to take the role of stay-at-home dad because of my flexibility at my job here. The love of a child helped me to deepen my understanding of God's love for us and the responsibility that every child is precious. Fast forward to the year 2017. I was approached by Pastor Rick Dake to take on the role of high school youth minister. Finally, I was ready for that call. And I've since added men's ministry to my job description. Of course, all faith journeys are not linear. And the transition from caretaker to running programs was not without growing pains. Fortunately, I've had amazing support from all of you, lots and lots of grace, and lots and lots of prayer. When Pastor Rick announced he was going to retire in the summer of 2021, I had a bit of a career crisis. I was still actively grieving the loss of my dad, who meant the world to me. And I started to second-guess my calling. I truly loved working at Clarkston for all these years, and it felt right making the transition to program ministry, but I got scared. I was not formally trained as a minister in feelings of anxiety that the new pastor wouldn't understand my experience and my dedication to ministry. I imagined they would be on the lookout for someone that had more credentials. I could not have been more wrong. As it turned out, our new appointment would be none other than Pastor Amy. We had worked together closely in high school youth ministry while she was here as associate pastor. Pastor Amy saw in me a heart of ministry full of potential. I am truly blessed to have Pastor Amy and so many of you, amazing mentors and friends over the years. God has blessed me with the talents in ministry, and all of you have helped me discern my call. In my 20 years of professional ministry here at Clarkson United Methodist Church, I've learned a ton, I've grown closer to God, and I've made so many meaningful relationships, it's too hard to count. As many of you know, I'm now in the process of becoming a licensed local pastor. So what does being a licensed local pastor mean? Local pastors are not ordained or required to move as ordained elder pastors. We are licensed and, when appointed and, er, and then appointed annually to a given particular church by the bishop. As a local pastor, we answer God's call to serve the mission of Jesus Christ through the local congregation. When appointed, I can perform the usual duties of a pastor, which range from church to church, but include leading youth group, teaching, leading in worship, weddings, funerals, and officiating the sacraments of baptism and Holy Communion. I look forward to holding those little babies as we walk around the sanctuary someday. My authority to do these things will be limited only to the church that I'm appointed to. On November 12th of this year, I will graduate from licensing school at Big Rapids First United Methodist Church and be eligible for appointment. But even after I'm appointed, my journey still continues with the United Methodist Church course of study. This continuing education course can take up to eight years to complete, and I'm excited to complete my education. 
or continue my education. Like King David, I have been blessed by others who saw great potential in me, even though I didn't always see it in myself. I've humbly grown as a leader throughout prayer, through prayer, personal relationship with Jesus, and this Christian community. I know there's still much work, to, work walking to be done and plenty of bumps still in the road, but I'm assured that God has empowered me to be a hero to others to see and to help all people walk beside them on their shared journey of faith. Of course, this is my call story about how God has empowered me. But each of you has your own call story and ministry too. You are anointed by God to, in your own unique ways. You are more important than you know to those you encounter every day. Whether you're a shepherd or a king or both, stay steadfast in your journey with God because it's truly a blessing to know and share that we will never be separated from Christ's unending grace and love. Praise be to God. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.